When preparing for you know, this Satna Dhamma talk, I came across a beautiful discourse in the Angucha Nikaya. Namely, in the collection of Satna the Eighths, and uh, in that Satna collection, you know, there's the set of the first 50 discourses, and uh, there it's the second discourse. Now, Without certainly revealing at this point, certainly as yet, the title of the discourse, of certainly that discourse from the Anguja Nikaya, there are eight causes and conditions that will contribute to the arising of a very particular factor, and for you to figure out what this factor might be. Now, allow me to mention those certain factors and explain them a little. Well, first mention them and then later on explain them. The first one is one lives in dependence on a teacher toward whom one has set up a keen sense of moral shame and moral dread, affection and reverence. The second certain quality mentioned in uh, this discourse is living independence on a teacher towards certain whom one has set up a keen sense of moral shame and moral dread and affection and reverence. One then on occasion approaches this teacher and asks questions. Clarifying uh, questions of clarification about this point of Dhamma, that point of Satna Dhamma, and Satna the teacher then explains. And Satna thus removes uh, uh, well difficult or or knots in the understanding, cuts Satna through perplexity and the like. Now, the third cause and condition for the arising of uh, a particular mental state is to mm, practice withdrawal in body and in mind. Withdrawal in the sense of seclusion, so bodily seclusion and mental seclusion. One intentionally does, uh, even though one practices in a group, yet satna one does satna uh, not satna seek well communication with satna the others. Withdrawal in the mind or seclusion in the mind is in the sense of keeping the mind secluded from the hindrances. Now, that's your third factor, and the f- fourth one is one is virtuous. So for the monastics, it means one lives in accordance to the monastic vows, the patimokkha, and for a lay retreat, it means one lives in accordance with the eight precepts. And also practices restraint of the senses. The fifth certain cause and certain condition 
is that one has learned much, remembers what one has learned, and accumulates what one has learned. This is Sapnyov accompanied by a factor that we have talked about already in an earlier Dhamma talk, namely, one has aroused energy for abandoning unwholesome qualities and acquiring wholesome qualities. One is strong and certainly not flinching. In the midst of the Sangha, one does not engage in rambling and pointless talk. Either one oneself speaks on the Dhamma or one requests someone else to do so, or otherwise one adopts noble silence. So that's your seventh cause and condition. The question still remains for the arising of what? Now, here comes the last cause and condition. Namely, one dwells contemplating arising and vanishing in the five aggregates subject to clinging. Such is form, such its arising, such its passing away. And the same thing you know, then applies to feelings, to you know, perceptions, to volitional formation, so your uh, range of mental factors, and sapna also applies to consciousness. So these eight causes and conditions will are conducive to the arising of which mental factor? What's that? Wisdom. Yes. And equanimity and wisdom. Any other opinions? Happiness. happiness. Amy? You don't have an opinion. So, um, both of you are uh, right with the wisdom. These certain factors, the discourse certainly then goes on to say, are causes and conditions that lead to obtaining the wisdom fundamental to the spiritual life when it has not been obtained and to its increase and maturation and fulfillment by development after it has been obtained. Now, to briefly go over these eight certain conditions one more time. Now, the first one is living in dependence on a teacher. So, if you think of our situation here, as retreatants, you live in dependence on, well, food prepared by Surya, by Chris, but you also live in independence on Marcia and myself. And so in a lay meditation center or monastic meditation center, it would be the same thing. 
if you think of monasteries certain, you know, such uh, meditation monasteries in you know, Burma, there will be a teacher, there might be even several you know, teachers there, and as a you know, new retreat, you know, one you know, then sets up a sense of moral shame and you know, moral dread. And Sapna has both affection and reverence for the teacher. Now, this already shows uh, a very interesting quality with which Shatna we want to uh, practice, and a quality that contributes you know, towards Shatna the arising of uh, wisdom. So, if one you know, would go to a meditation center, and without moral shame, without moral fear, and without affection for the teacher, and no reverence is there. And instead, one goes there in order to create havoc and test the capacity of the teacher, ask tricky questions, and so on, doubting each and every point that is being said. Well, this is likely to lead to into which mental factor? Hmm? Skeptical doubt and certain such a retreat it might not certainly stay in that center for too long. Now <coughs> having established a relationship partner with a teacher or being living independence on a, a teacher or several a teacher a teachers, one then does the practice, and on occasion, obviously, questions come up. And if you think of the context here, but certainly at any other meditation center, be it lay or monastic, well, on occasion, questions will come up, and you don't quite know what to do. So those questions then can be raised during interviews, could on occasion also be raised after a demo talk or through an appointment with a teacher outside of interviews. Now, it's in asking questions that hopefully we get an answer, and the answer then will help us to move ahead. The third quality that certainly contributes or is conducive to the arising of you know, wisdom is certainly that certain seclusion, seclusion body and seclusion in mind, or expressed here as a withdrawal in body and some withdrawal in mind. So during an intensive Fatna retreat, we do need to change our ways. We need to change our behaviors in certain ways, and one of them is or comes in the form of seclusion of the body and the mind. So this sudden then this kind of behavior that 
is in line with certain seclusion, obviously, you know, then you know, differs a lot from a behavior that uh, we would adopt uh, uh, if, let's say, you know, you know, we are participating uh, at a party, let's say a birthday party or whatever. No, no let's say July 4th party. Today, today is July 4th. So, totally different uh, uh, behavior, different conduct, and the conduct of certain uh, uh, or secluded certain conduct helps us uh, to eventually uh, uh, gain uh, intuitive wisdom. Now, even though one might not have much prior knowledge about meditation and the Buddha's teachings, if Sutna one can remember the meditation instructions, if one has heard at least a little bit about impermanence and unsatisfactoriness and the insubstantiality of Sutna formations, then that might be quite enough to actually do the practice. Now, in the context of a new retreat, uh, even if one hasn't heard much Dhamma yet, one you know, will be participating in Dhamma talks and suddenly then hear talks about this or that you know, topic related to you know, mindfulness, certain meditation. So what one you know, then has heard, one takes to heart, one tries to you know, remember it and hopefully also apply it. So learning it, accumulating and remembering it is certainly one thing, but certainly the application is the important certain part. Now, possessing you know, these causes and certain these first five and causes and condition is good, but you know, not certainly good enough, and it clearly you know, takes certain energy or effort. And as outlined in the discourse on uh, effort some time ago, last week, beginning of last week, and then I think it was Saturday of last week, well, it was certainly mentioned effort in a simple, put in a simple way, consists of arousing energy to abandon unwholesome, un unskillful states, and it also consists in arousing wholesome uh, states, arousing and uh, acquiring uh, wholesome states or qualities. So already with this particular quality, the wisdom that satna arises based on energy, based on the other factors satna so far, is not a type of wisdom that may be some other teacher, well, creates in you, so takes influence and influences you in one way or another and satna arises in such a manner.
So it is a type of wisdom that is certainly based on the willingness of a retreatant to exert herself or himself. Now, the seventh cause and condition for the arising of wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual uh, life, we have to refrain from any kind of useless talk in the midst of the Sangha. So just to talk for the sake of talking. So we give that up and then instead ask, when we're on retreat, and instead ask someone else to maybe discourse on the Dhamma or else we simply you know, stay in or observe noble silence, which is a noble form of footnote communication. So with this again, you can see that suddenly there's a huge difference here in behavior between a person who is participating in an intensive mindfulness retreat and someone else who is participating in a July 4th party celebration party. Now, the final point is important. Namely, that one actually engages in the practice. And here it is via the final point that the connection is made to mindfulness practice, as mindfulness practice as based on the Satipatthana Sutta and other discourses. So one dwells contemplating arising and vanishing in the five aggregates subject to clinging, such is form, such is such its arising, such its passing away. So these are some factors, or these are you know, eight certain factors that have been outlined, mentioned and certainly outlined by the Anguttara Nikaya that conduce Sapna to the arising of intuitive wisdom. Now, there are other passages in the text that do discuss this aspect, which factors do contribute to the arising of wisdom. So we have, for instance, the mm, a short Sapna discourse from the Samyutta Nikaya, the 55th Sapna collection discourse, 55, 62, 63, they are all, all more or less the same. And so there, four points are given association with superior persons. So this reminds you, you know, of which factor that was mentioned among the eight you know, causes and conditions? The first one. There you go. 
So association with the superior you know, persons is nothing other you know, than associating with nothing other than living independence, being close you know, to you know, someone who is regarded uh, as a teacher and qualifies as certain a teacher. Now, the second point mentioned in you know, the uh, the short discourse uh, on the acquisition of uh, wisdom in the Samyutta Nikaya is hearing the true Dhamma. So you uh, hear it from uh, the teacher in the form of Dhamma talks, and certainly uh, then um, you could certainly uh, also uh, ask uh, questions about certain points that are not certainly clear. Now, the third point that I mentioned, mentioned is careful mm, attention or wise attention, yoniso manasikara in the Pali scriptural language. So it happens you know, for you know, many people who you know, feel close to the Buddha's teachings that they happily sit in during a Dhamma talk and listen to the talk, but uh, there's no real wise attention there. So they let the mind roam around or roam about and maybe hearing this or that point, but the Dhamma is not really being absorbed. The final point is certainly that of practice in accordance certainly with the Dhamma. So actually doing it, actually applying what certainly one has certainly heard. Now, there's another a different Satnya discourse in the Samyutta Nikaya, the so-called Alawakata Sutta, that uh, um, contains just one, um, among different Satnya topics, um, one uh, line of Satnya question raised by Alawaka um, on wisdom, namely, uh, Alawaka asks, asks, how does you know, one gain wisdom? And certainly in response to this certain question, then the Buddha answers as certainly follows, as is given in verse 851, namely, placing faith in the Dhamma of the Arahans. For the attainment of Nibbana, from desire to learn, one gains certain wisdom, and if one is diligent and astute. So here, a few factors are being uh, mentioned, some similar you know, to you know, those that we've heard certainly already, some different. One factor that certainly is new in the context of our discussion is faith. So, one um, lives in dependence on a teacher. Obviously, this only happens if one has some initial faith in that certain teacher. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so likely. Faith, faith in the teacher or faith in the Buddha's certain teachings. Now, 
interesting is also from a desire to learn one gains satna wisdom so one desires to learn you know, the dhamma that satna leads satna you know, to liberating you know, wisdom and said we could add a you know, desire not only to learn but a desire also you know, to you know, then actually do you know, the practice and realize uh, all of you know, this now being diligent apamato in the pali means that one is constantly mindful and satna being astute you know, means uh, that satna one uh, can discern between what is well spoken and satna what is satna not now these are already more you know, than uh, eight certain factors that conduce you know, to the arising of uh, the wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual life and certain you know, to make the connection to you know, to marcia's stomach given yesterday can you see any other factors that would contribute you know, to the arising of wisdom ah okay so concentration indeed and the concentration is just floating around it comes naturally yeah. name me sati. sati mindfulness and factors of factors of enlightenment i don't even need to reach that far well what about virtue and, and being established in an ethical conduct this certain being one of the really you know, very very basic things so in other words as explained already last night you know, by uh, marcia the training of you know, the you know, the training in ethical conduct sila sacra in the pali scripture language and based on which satna then the training concentration falls follows samadhi nisaka and based on those first satna too then we engage in the training in wisdom panya nisaka so it is satna by being well established in ethical conduct that we not transgress in this way or that way as heard last night the the benefit of this is that the mind will not be overwhelmed by by what there you go remorse guilt certain worry which agitate the mind with an agitated mind a mind full of remorse guilt and certain the like it's very difficult to practice so with remorse the mind will be agitated will be distracted and a distracted mind is everything but certainly concentrated now if however we are well established in virtue then 
but we are you not know, transgressing in one way or another. As a result, there's no need for you know, the arising of remorse. As a result of you know, this, the mind will not be agitated, but rather uh, concentrated, free, you know, free of you know, distraction. in the Pali scriptural, in the Pali scriptural language, and based on. Our virtue in both body and and mind, and a mind that is then well concentrated, based on those two trainings, then knowledge can arise. Then we gain, we obtain the knowledge that is fundamental to the spiritual life. Now, when it comes to you know, factors that lead to you know, the arising of you know, this wisdom you know, fundamental to you know, the spiritual life, we can also look at you know, slightly different you know, sets of uh, or different uh, teaching that the Buddha has mentioned on many occasions and uh, that is mentioned here and there in the text, namely the gradual path of training. The gradual path of training starts out with the arising of some, in, it starts out with hearing the Dhamma in one way or another, or maybe you know, having a friend uh, you know, talk about it, um, or read about Satna the Dhamma, so something you know, like this, and that Satna then leads to the arising of some initial faith. That initial faith will, for the most part, still be relatively strong or weak. Weak. So it's still pretty shaky and certainly it does certainly need to be nurtured over time. Now, the, you know, the relevant passage to the gradual, or that talks about the gradual path of Fatna training, then goes on to say, based on the arising of some initial faith, then it's quite likely that right thought will occur in our stream of consciousness in the form of thoughts of renunciation. Not, and it could mean that suddenly right away one decides to become a monastic and suddenly join the order. It could mean that for a very few. But for the majority, it could mean that suddenly at least one is prepared to renounce one's um, life, one certainly laid life, life of a householder for a limited period of time. So let's say for a period of seven days or ten days, during which one then would go and attend a retreat. So for that period of time, one pulls oneself out of one's normal uh, context and uh, thus renounces one's ordinary uh, comfort and luxury. So the arising of this certain uh, much of right thoughts uh, is great, and sooner or later one might certainly feel compelled, well, 
life is still not quite perfect yet. I have not gained what I'm looking for, searching for, and what if I start transforming my conduct and then a certain willingness to take upon oneself and closely follow the precepts, ethical precepts might then follow. Once one is well established in virtue, and part of this establishment in virtue is also that one starts restraining one's senses. So even though one has eyes to see with, one doesn't look around unintentionally, and even though one has ears to hear with, one doesn't suddenly listen to each and every sound that comes along. So, Indriya Samvara Sila in the Pali scripture language. This suddenly then gets complemented by the Act by actually engaging in mindfulness practice and certainly clear comprehension of what one is certainly just about to, to do or to say. Gradually, with the practice of mindfulness and based on the factors mentioned so far, one is likely to first encounter the five hindrances and gradually to overcome those hindrances. With this satna then one reaches a certain degree of concentration and the concentration then in turn as we've seen becomes becomes one of the two proximate factors for the arising of wisdom. Wisdom that certainly then is fundamental to living the spiritual life. In terms of the controlling new faculties with certainly some uh, extension, or as uh, more, more so as based on the Chunky Sutta that was mentioned already in the context of the talk on uh, effort, we have yet another serial order of factors that leads the one factor leading on to the next, and the first one is the arising of faith. So you're familiar with this one, that this might certainly lead on, or is likely to lead on, you know, to the arising of certain desire to practice, maybe at first desire to study, and then followed by the desire to practice. This satna then paves satna the way for a proper aiming of the mind, so you know, aiming the mind towards satna, the you know, predominant object of obs- observation that is arising. And satna, this needs to be supplemented by uh, effort, application of satna effort. And when these sudden two factors are present, plus the earlier new ones, then mindfulness is likely to arise and will be sustained if the effort is also equally sustained over time. 
This in turn leads to concentration. And again, your concentration leads on to the rising of wisdom. Now, sometimes when we try to understand a certain mental factor, what it's all about, what its nature is all about, it can be quite helpful to look at aspects that this mental factor is not about. So, the nature of wisdom to first start in a state of few negative aspects is not cunningness. For sure, not. And certainly, the wisdom that we're talking about certainly here is also not a type of wisdom that certainly is based on the prolific use of the intellect. So it's not that. Now, it's further not a form of, or it's further not based on and not identical with thinking. So people who are new to the meditation practice, mindfulness practice, might on occasion think, think that thinking equals wisdom. So they happily sit there with eyes closed and let the mind roam freely. And suddenly, I mean, all sorts of you know, thoughts and reflections might come up, also a few on you know, what is happening in you know, the meditation. And suddenly, those of thoughts, those reflections are you know, being, you know, being uh, proudly shared you know, during the interview. <laughs> and, so, and then you know, being presented as certain you know, forms of you know, deep. Uh, the wisdom. Obviously, this is wisdom or not? It's not. So, there is a further type of wisdom, namely that certain wisdom or knowledge that certain could be just broadly referred to as hearsay, or knowledge, facts and figures that one hears during a university lecture, or a class at school, or maybe some academic workshop, or things that one reads in a book. And part of this certainly then might be holding on to the concepts and 
and then uh, reading about certain uh, reading about certain uh, presentations of certain uh, the Dhamma and certain uh, then uh, thinking that certain uh, those are uh, the same and certain uh, true wisdom. So that kind of knowledge again is not identical with wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual life. If that were the case, all we needed to do would be to go or attend some university and do some, take some courses on Buddhism. So Buddhist philosophy, maybe some Pali studies, and so, uh, maybe some Abhidhamma studies, and so on and so forth. But it's not certainly the same. Now, what certainly then is wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual life? Just off your mind, what would you say? What is it then? If it's not thinking, if it's not hearing, if it's not knowledge based on book reading, there's not much left. Ah, so we could refer to it as intuitive wisdom, but we could also refer to it in still different terms. Do other terms come to your mind? Direct experience, yes, rather than, uh, let's say, some conceptual knowledge, rather than some constructs or intellectual models, or getting lost in abstract ideas, or uh, getting lost in an entire philosophical thought system. So, direct experience, intuitive uh, uh, wisdom or knowledge, anything else certainly that comes to your mind in connection with wisdom, what else is it doing? What else is it known for? Penetrating the true nature. Ah, penetrating the true nature of formations. And certainly so, going really deeply, going beyond you know, the surface or the, the superficial appearance of you know, things. Now, to you know, ask a leading question, the wisdom that we're talking about here, is it a wisdom that happily accepts unwholesome mental states and dwells in them and uh, indulges in them and makes them to grow? Is that certain? Do you connect that to wisdom? Obviously not. So, what comes up in connection with wisdom is not only a wisdom that is penetrative and has a discriminative quality to it, but also a wisdom that 
cuts through layers and layers of ignorance and various unwholesome mental states, unskillful mental states. Now, there's still more to it. The wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual life, does it arise just by, let's say, uh, doing a hike in the forest, casually walking around, trying to reach the... Uh, the peak of a mountain. Is this how your wisdom arises? It's not. So it is a form. It's a mental state, a mental factor that arises out of practicing under certain circumstances. As we have seen earlier on, we live in dependence on a teacher, we then ask questions. We then try to live in a secluded manner. We try as much as possible to be virtuous in our conduct. We try to learn the Dhamma as much as possible and try to remember it. And suddenly then we arouse energy, effort, in order to abandon unwholesome states and to bring about wholesome states, we refrain from useless satna talk and unrelated satna talk, talk that is not related to Dhamma. And satna, finally, we then carefully, we don't just walk or go on a hike in in nature, but rather we spend our time in a secluded place, mindfully sitting, walking, sitting, walking, being mindful during general activities. So what I'm trying to get at is that the wisdom is a is a mental factor that arises out of mental development, out of actually doing the practice from moment to moment to moment, over several days, many days, sometimes even weeks or months. So this kind of wisdom, in which is based on mental development in the Pali scriptural language, is known as bhavana meya panya. Bhavana is your mental development, and meya panya is knowledge or wisdom based on, so based on uh, mental development. So, with this much, it becomes pretty obvious that certainly the wisdom that we're talking about, certainly here, the, that the Buddha had in mind, is a wisdom that is quite certainly different from knowledge being passed on at a university or some other place, educational facility.
Now, we could certainly take this point even a step further by saying that it's also a wisdom that arises in a gradual manner in an actually pretty well described and certainly defined uh, manner. And that consists of certain stages and certainly those stages of purification we study in the scriptural manner Pali scriptural language are referred to as first the purification of one's morality so ensuring that one observes or practices right speech right action and right livelihood then the purification this in Pali is known as Sila Visuddhi, then the next purification is of the mind, Chitta Visuddhi, which means ensuring that the mind becomes more and more concentrated. This, just generally speaking, could be done in two ways, by either engaging in Samatha meditation and thus concentration arises, or one does uh, uh, dry and straightforward vipassana meditation in, in the context of this the so-called kanika samadhi momentary concentration arises using different um, objects of ultimate nature as objects of observation now when as suddenly the mind becomes more concentrated and suddenly the hindrances are likely to be there with a more concentrated mind, one then gradually, and as Venerable Pandita notes, also with the help of effort and mindfulness, one gradually overcomes those hindrances. So with concentration, to be very specific, the hindrances get suppressed. With mindfulness, no, no, the mind certainly gets no, no, will be protected, and certainly with uh, effort, no, the, the hindrances will be kept at bay. Now, as one no, then continues to practice, one um, will eventually one no, will start up no, to discern the, the various objects satna, that come up in one's satna meditation and among the physical sensations one will discern one sensation to be tension another sensation to be tightness another one to be heat or yet another one to be cold and satna, then one might discern oh there are also mental objects there joy is there another mental object might be discerned as happiness another one could be discerned as tranquility and so on and so forth so one comes to gradually you know, see you know, the specific qualities of uh, you know, or the specific quality or quality or qualities of an uh, object and that 
eventually leads a retreat into understand that suddenly there are just two basic categories of objects, namely bodily formations and mental formations. So just nama and rupa phenomena, just mentality and materiality. Now, this suddenly already seeing the specific quality of an object is a form of very simple knowledge, wisdom. Seeing that in the end there are just these physical and mental formations happening, this too is a form of intuitive, liberating, penetrating knowledge. Seeing the interdependence of mentality and materiality again would be an aspect of intuitive wisdom. Now, with further you know, practice, and, and you know, this you know, particular understanding you know, then is suddenly referred to as the purification of view, deity, visuddhi in the Pali scriptural language. Sooner or later, this purification is followed by yet a different purification, namely known as purification of no overcoming doubt, namely doubt into whether a creator is there or not there, and what is one oneself in control of things, control of the show, or how are new things happening? Was I in the past? Will I, will I be in the future? And so on. So these kind of doubts that suddenly might arise, those get suddenly cleared by actually seeing in very direct ways that suddenly formations are connected by or one might see you know, how one object or several conditions then are the cause and suddenly there's a certain uh, result to it. So one sees both the you know, one or several causes and then uh, a certain result. Now, with further you know, practice, a retreat is sooner or later likely you know, to yeah, then experience what uh, the Visri Magha refers to as the purification by knowledge and vision of what is path and what is not path. This refers to a very particular experience or phase in one's yeah, meditation where retreatants mm, are kind of like at a crossroads. So mm, yeah, there's an option either to go this way or that way. And the, you know, the two you know, roads are either in the, in the you know, when wholesome mental states arise, such as illumination, such as knowledge, and then joy and tranquility and happiness and so on and so forth, you know, to either 
I get totally attached to these states, crave for these certain states, indulge in them. That's one path. And the other path, the no path, is simply to remember to be just mindful of you know, those states, not to get carried away by them, not to get attached to them, not to crave for them, and so on. And Satna that then leads to a deeper practice. So this particular phase is referred to as the purification by overcoming no, sorry, purification by knowledge and vision of what is path and not path, Magamaganyana Dasna Visuddhi in the Pali scriptural language. This then is followed by two more purifications. One is purification of the mind, which contains uh, uh, or covers quite an area. We don't have the time to go into this. And finally, we have the purification by knowledge and vision, Jnana Dasna Nirisuddhi in the Pali scriptural language. So, knowledge that gradually arises in you know, the course of our you know, mindfulness by way of more and more purifying you know, the mind. This uh, you know, then mm, uh, can be considered you know, uh, knowledge or wisdom that is fundamental to the spiritual life. Now, what we have said so far then nicely resonates with various definitions given in the Dhamma Sangani for wisdom and there it speaks of it speaks of right view and right view then gets defined as wisdom and Satna then as thorough understanding, scrutiny of, if you like, to first Satna, the permanence of phenomena, the assumed permanence, the assumed happiness that uh, is connected with formations and uh, the assumed uh, um, aspect of the existence of a self or that for phenomena are identical with a self. So carefully scrutinizing this, it's also referred to as an investigative knowledge of the Dhamma. So one deeply, one carefully investigates what is really going on. It's further referred to as discriminative knowledge. So getting to see what is what, getting to know the various bodily formations, getting to know and to discern the various mental states. Then, as comparative examination, maybe you know, this could be you know, put in slightly different uh, words in the English language, as con contrasting certain you know, formations, contrasting, let's say, unwholesome and 
unwholesome state with a wholesome state. And Satya then, out of this contrast, then better understanding the respective wholesomeness state. Or, in line with what was asked earlier on, wisdom that destroys mental defilements. So, the wisdom, the, the effort certainly to abandon unwholesome mental states and uh, not only to abandon but certainly uh, to uh, destroy them. Wisdom that is referred to as penetrative wisdom, insight, clear comprehension, which is usually an, an initial or incipient form of certainly wisdom, the faculty of wisdom, the power of wisdom. And Sapna then very nicely in the connection with wisdom for destroying defilements, wisdom that is like a sword, wisdom that cuts Sapna through what? Uh, through anger and through the many layers, thick layers of ignorance. And Sapna then. And then there's yet another quality that is being attributed you know, to wisdom. And certainly you know, this certainly you might some of you might certainly remember when you think of the classical fourfold certainly definition of wisdom. And the function of wisdom there is given as to mm, illuminate the objective field. So in other words, to illuminate the field of objects of observation. Now, this uh, to illuminate the you know, field of objects of observation involves what? Light. And wisdom is spoken of mm, as certainly being different from ignorance which is associated with darkness. So there is mention of the light of wisdom and the darkness of ignorance. So not practicing at all, not being never having heard the Buddha Satna Dhamma, never having you know, trained in virtue in concentration, never having actually practiced mindfulness, we are likely to live in a state of darkness, namely the darkness of ignorance. We just can't discern what is really going on. We might think that we know an awful lot. We might think of ourselves extremely highly, yet certainly that kind of thinking is pretty deluded. And basically we find ourselves in a, in a space of darkness and it is comparable to being in a dark room you know, that one has never been in. And it's full of furniture here and there, like a storage room. You walk into the room, there's no electricity there. And then you bump into a chair, you bump into a table, and so eventually with your head you might even bump into a 
the award. So that certain kind of thing happens because there's no light. If once one brings a flashlight into that same room, one can see exactly what is certainly where, and certainly can avoid bumping into these different items. Now, wisdom is certainly classically you know, said to you know, have the characteristic of penetrating objects according to their intrinsic nature, according to their essential nature. So going really deep and suddenly then penetrating and discovering what is actually going on. So not just getting caught up in superficial appearances of formations, but uh, no, rather to investigate and in the course of uh, no, this no, then, mm, discovering that uh, actually things are quite different. And now, as mentioned, the function is to illuminate uh, no, the field of objects. Its sudden uh, no, manifestation is as non-confusion Amoha in the Pali scriptural language, or as absence of bewilderment, non bewilderment. Now, two proximate causes have have been mentioned for the arising of wisdom. And one is given as wise attention. Wise attention, which is directed towards the arising development of intuitive wisdom again and again. So one conducts oneself in ways that are conducive to the arising of wisdom. And knowing that other circumstances, other forms of conduct are not helpful, so you know, attaining a you know, July 4th you know, party might not be all that great. And so you know, then one doesn't certainly you know, go in that certain you know, direction. Now, the second proximate certain cause that certain you know, uh, for, for the arising of intuitive wisdom was mentioned already you know, during the previous demo talk yesterday by Marcia, namely it comes in the form of uh, a unified mind, a mind that is collected, a mind that is concentrated. And Satna, that Satna then, that concentrated mind, mm, you know, then um, is the foundation for you know, the arising of a, a different you know, mental state you know, with different qualities, different certain uh, nature, and that certain uh, wisdom. Now, if uh, you know, the series 
of fundamental factors that lead up to concentration would end uh, with concentration, well, um, this might be good to some extent, we'll end up with a concentrated mind, yet um, the concentration itself will not touch the mental defilements. So what it suddenly takes is, especially in order to eradicate, to destroy, to cut off you know, you know, the latent mental defilements, we need you know, wisdom. We need the power of wisdom. We need suddenly you know, the power that cuts up you know, through you know, those latent defilements. Now, since certainly we're already way beyond our normal time, and there's still more you know, to be said on you know, wisdom. Allow me to conclude today's Satna Dhamma talk on uh, wisdom with um, a Dhammapada verse. Namely, indeed, it's verse 282, indeed wisdom is born of meditation. Without meditation, wisdom is lost. Knowing this twofold path of the gain and loss of wisdom, one should conduct oneself so that wisdom may increase, may arise and increase. So, to add to this, may much wisdom arise and may it be penetrative wisdom, may it turn into liberating wisdom that uh, um, uh, uh, leads us to the realization of uh, 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 the path of holiness. May this happen during this existence or some future existence. And this is it for today. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.